0: Welcome to Puritan's Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 21 of The Christian's Daily Walk by Henry Scudder. How to read men's writings profitably. Number one, in reading men's writing, read the best or at least those by which you can profit most. Number two, read a good book thoroughly and with due consideration. Number three, reject not hastily anything you read because of the mean opinion you have of the author. Believe not everything you read because of the great opinion you have of him that wrote it. But in all books of faith and manners, Try all things by the scriptures, Isaiah 8, 20, Matthew twenty two, twenty nine and 31. Receive nothing upon the bare testimony or judgment of any man, any further than he can confirm it by the canon of God's holy word, Luke 10, or by evidence of reason, or by undoubted experience. Provided always that what you call reason and experience be according unto, not against, the word of God. If the meanest speak according to it, then receive and regard it. But if the most judicious in your esteem, yea, if he were an angel of God, should speak or write otherwise, refuse and reject it. Galatians 1 8. Thus much for private reading. Only take this caution you must not think it to be sufficient that you read the scriptures and other good books at home in private, when by so doing you neglect the hearing of the word read and preached in public. For God has not appointed that reading alone, or preaching alone, or prayer, or sacraments should singly and alone save any man, where all or more than one of them may be had, but he requires the joint use of them all in their place and time. And in this variety of means of salvation, God has... In his holy wisdom, ordained such order that the excellency and sufficiency of one shall not, in its right use, keep any from, but lead him unto a due performance of the other, each serving to make the other more effectual, to produce their common effect, namely, the salvation of man's soul. Indeed, when a man is necessarily hindered by persecution, sickness, or otherwise, that he cannot hear the word preached, then God does bless reading with an humble and honest heart without hearing the word preached. But where hearing the word preached is either contemned or neglected for reading's sake, or for prayer's sake, Proverbs 28, 9, or for any other good private duty. There, no man can expect to be blessed in his reading or in any other private duty, but rather cursed. Witness the evil effects which by experience we see do issue from thence, viz. self conceitedness singularity in some dangerous opinions, and schism and, too often, a falling away into damnable heresies and apostasy. Section 3 of Meditation When you are alone, then also is a fit season for you to be employed in holy meditation. Meditation 4. According to a person's meditation, such is he. The liberal man devises liberal things. The covetous man, the contrary. Isaiah thirty-two eight. The godly man studies how to please God. The wicked, how to please himself. In meditation, the mind or reason of the soul fixes itself upon something conceived or thought upon for the better understanding thereof and for the better application of it to itself for use. The Distinct Acts and Parts of Meditation Number 1. In meditating aright, the mind of man exercises two kinds of acts. The one direct upon the thing meditated the other reflects upon himself the person meditating. The first is an act of the contemplative part of the understanding. The second is an act of conscience. The end of the first is to enlighten the mind with knowledge. The end of the second is to fill the heart with goodness. The first serves. I speak of moral actions to find out the rule whereby you may know more clearly what is truth what is falsehood what is good what is bad whom you should obey and what manner of person you should be and what you should do and the like the second serves to direct you how to make a right and profitable application to yourself and to your actions of the rule. In this latter are these two acts. First, an examination, whether you and your actions be according to the rule, or whether you come short or are swerved from it, giving judgment of you according as it finds you. The second is a persuasive and commanding act, charging the soul in every faculty, understanding, will, affections, yea, the whole man, to reform and conform themselves to the rule, that is, to the will of God. If you find yourself not to think and act according to it, which is done by confessing the fault to God with remorse, praying for forgiveness, returning to God by faith and repentance, and reforming the heart and life through new obedience. This must be the resolution of the soul. And all this a man must charge upon himself, peremptorily commanding himself with sincere desire and fixed endeavor to conform to it. When you meditate, join all these three acts. Else, you will never bring your meditation to a profitable issue. For if you only muse and study to find out what is true, what is false, what is good, what is bad, you may gain much knowledge of the head, but little goodness to your heart. If you only apply to yourself that whereon you have mused and no more, you may, by finding yourself to be a transgressor, lay guilt upon your conscience and terror upon your heart without fruit or comfort. But if to these two you lay a charge upon yourself to follow God's counsel concerning what you should believe and do when you have offended him, If you also form an upright design through God's grace to be such an one as you ought to be, and to live such a life hereafter as you ought to live, then unto science you add conscience, and to knowledge you join practice, and will find the comfortable and happy effects thereof. Observe David's meditations. And you will find they came to this issue. His thoughts of God and of his ways made him turn his feet unto God's testimonies. Psalm 69, 59. The meditation of God's benefits made him resolve to take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord and to pay his vows. Psalm 66, 12-14. When he considered what God had done for him and thus inferred what he should be to God again, he saith to his soul, My soul and all that is in me, praise his holy name. Psalm 53, 1-3 When in his meditation he found that it was his fault to have his soul disquieted in him through distrust, he charges it to wait on God, Psalm 42, 5 through 11, and raises up himself unto a holy confidence. I will meditate on thy precepts, saith he. What? Is that all? No. But he proceeds... To this last act of meditation, and saith, I will have respect unto thy ways. Psalm 69, 15, 16, 106. This concludes episode 21 of Henry Scudder's. The Christian's Daily Walk.